Are you ready to run your short-term rental business like a super host? If so, look no further than Guesty for Hosts. Guesty for Hosts offers listing management for all three major OTAs, Airbnb, Booking.com, and Verbo. With Guesty for Hosts, you can create a branded direct booking website in minutes. I've been able to hit 61% direct bookings in my business and automate daily tasks such as communication with cleaners and communication with guests. Click the link in the show notes to get an additional $20 off your first month. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live, Let, Thrive. What is up, Micah? Man. I am good, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Good, man. I got some coffee. Getting hopped up on coffee for this show because we're going to have a great show today in this episode 203 let's go man favorite airbnb vrbo short-term rental real estate podcast in the world coming at you from fort worth texas and arlington texas and we have a great guest today micah who we got bailey kramer so nice they named him twice let's see (laughs) (laughs) let me read a little bio about mr Bailey Kramer. Bailey is a real estate investor, entrepreneur, real estate agent, co-host, and a coach. Bailey uncovered his passion for real estate early in his life and brought his and bought his first investment property at just 20 years old. We got to dive into that. Since then, <laughs> Bailey has focused on growing his portfolio of long-term rentals and short-term rentals. Bailey also founded his own co-hosting company and manages eight Airbnb properties in four different states. This will soon be scaled to 15 units for his co-hosting business. In his free time, Bailey enjoys traveling, playing sports, and eating delicious food. Welcome to the show, Bailey. How you doing? Thank you, guys. Great intro. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. We're doing good. We're doing good. You know, getting uh, spring weather, turning into summer very quickly, tornado season. You know, that's how Texas, (laughs) North Texas does. Yeah. Yeah. So So you're in Orlando, huh? I'm in Orlando. It is hot down here. (laughs) It was a a scorcher here yesterday. It was like 96 (laughs) degrees. So yeah, man, we felt it. So what's your favorite sport, Bailey? Favorite sport? I like playing and watching basketball. Oh, see, we can, we can talk all as long as you have as long as you have a ball, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, I'm down to play. <laughs> oh man, you like me? There you go. Any type of balls, <laughs> says Bailey. So, <laughs> so man, yeah, we're, we're glad to have you on. First off, how did you buy a house at 20 years old? What's that all about? That's a great question. I'll give you the the short answer. We can dive in. So, when I was 19 years old, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have that next to me at all times, right here. And I was a sophomore in college, read the book, and I'm like, all right, I got to get on this real estate thing. So I dive into bigger pockets, start learning, learning, learning. Long story short, I say, all right, I'm going to go the multifamily route. I thought that was like the thing to do. I want to own 100 units. I, these big numbers were really intriguing to me at 19 years old. Long story short, went, through, went down that route and just kind of talked to brokers, talked to investors. Did the motions, but didn't get anywhere with it. About a year after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was a junior in college, 20 years old. And I, I joined a mastermind group. It was, it was focused on multifamily, but there were still people who did single family in there. So someone came to me and said, hey, Bailey, I'm having trouble finding deals. Do you want to help me with some off-market lead generation? So I was like, don't know what that means, but I'm a, you know, I'm a college student. I've literally all the time on the, in the world on my hands. I'm, I'm here to help. So we started doing texting and cold calling, like vacant properties, high equity, low equity, pre-foreclosures. That didn't really work that well. But after doing that for three months, we finally, finally landed the first deal, which was a fix and flip property located in Illinois. And you're, out, and you're in Florida. And you're in Florida. And I'm in Florida. So I I did, I grew up in Wisconsin. So it's not like it's some random state that I've never heard of before. (laughs) Um, My my family lives in Wisconsin. They don't have anything to do with my real estate. They don't own any real estate besides their personal house. But that's where I grew up. I know the area. It's about an hour away from where I grew up. So that was one thing. And then also 
the person that I partnered with who brought me in and said, Hey, I need some help doing this cold calling. He was local to the area. So it wasn't some random shot in the dark place in the Midwest. So question you that, what were the numbers on that fix and flip and why didn't you keep it? Great question. (laughs) So numbers on the fix and flip, we bought it for 80,000. We put in 40, that's 120 and we sold it for 175, but we had to hold on to it for six months just because it was, it was my first time. My partner was pretty rookie too. He had a couple of properties, but didn't have any systems down or anything. So we made a ton of mistakes with contractors. And then we got to a point where we're like, could we just burn this property? We're like, we could potentially, but, but we were like, all right, we've been, we've been looking at this projection of getting $15,000 in our pocket each. Mm-hmm. And we're like, that sounds nice. After that much time, we're like, let's just take the money and move on. Also me being a student, him not having the balance sheet that, or he, he doesn't have a W2, his credit's fine, nothing to brag about. So getting a loan wasn't going to be a walk in the park. We had holding costs. We're like, mm-hmm. let's just take our money and, and move on. In hindsight, yeah, we, we, that would have been nice, but you live and you learn. It, it was nice for a first one. I like right. it, man. Living, living, you learn, learning, learning mistakes, right? So, with that property, could you have turned it into an STR? No, it, it's really not in a. Could I? Sure, but no, it it wouldn't have been a great location for it. It was, it was three bedrooms, one bathroom, really small, not in a vacation destination, lower mm. income area, so it it wouldn't have been a, a great short term rental. Hmm. What year was that again? That was 2021, February, oh. 2021. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so that was, that's when I was a junior following up this year, 2022, I officially dropped out of college three months ago. Uh, <laughs> today is in, we're in March, right? Yeah. Or for April, three or four months ago in January, 2022, I said, I'm done with it. I just got to focus on my, on my business. And that's where, that's where my diamond energy has to be. So what, what did your parents think of that? My parents were not thrilled, <laughs> but they supported me and they, they were, they were, they were fine with it. I've, I've been prepping them that I've been wanting to drop out, but I didn't have a business to really fall back on. So I can't just drop out and, and just whatever. So once I had my business up and running and going and proven, then they were like, okay, this makes sense go make, you know, work on your business, the school, you can always go back to if you really want to, but I was like, I probably won't go back. (laughs) (laughs) I'll drop out. I like it. Go ahead. So, um, so your business dive into what exactly your business is and why it, 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 come on, it gave you the opportunity to quit college. Yeah. So a couple different parts. First, I have the two long-term rentals. Those are, yeah, just two long-term rentals I bought a couple months after buying the fix and flip. And where are those at? Those are in uh, Illinois as well. Oh, wow. Taking up, yeah, taking over Illinois. <laughs> and then I have two short-term rental properties that I'm a part owner in. One is in Illinois and one is in Wisconsin. Wow. And then um, then I co-host as well. So that, that got into co-hosting basically just referrals, honestly, people are like, Oh, looks like you're doing a good job hosting. I know this person who needs someone. I know, I know someone who needs one. So that's how that started. And right now I'm managing seven Airbnbs and in the process of, um, I'm, I'm going to be managing a property, eight unit petite hotel that'll be ready. in hopefully two to two to three weeks, we're still doing the renovations, but getting everything on the back end set up right now. So that'll basically double the, the the management piece cool man so i had a question so uh your long terms are they in the same type of situation where they don't make sense as short terms as well yeah one is like right on a main road like, like oh okay uh, it, it is just it is not good for a short-term rental at all okay so that, that's that one then the other one again it's kind of in this lower income area we're cash flowing really well on it right now we did a we did a subject two deal, Ooh. if you're familiar. Heck yeah! So okay, we came in with basically nothing down, 
and the mortgage is 1100 bucks a month. Uh, principal interest taxes insurance is 1100 bucks a month and we're renting it for 1850. So we're just like, we're just going to keep riding with that. We we got a solid renter in place and that's, it's a stable one for sure. (laughs) I like that. Hey, hey, definitely check out our last episode with Adam Johnson. He only does subject to, he does subject to the Airbnb and he he crushes it with it. So yeah, definitely check that out. So, okay. And now your, your, your big, it sounds like your big niche is co-hosting and management. So like right now, cause you know, people starting to come down on co-hosting. How are you structuring your co-host deals? Yeah. What do you, what do you exactly mean by structure? Like percentage wise? Well, percentage. And then like, okay, let's say you're working with the owner, right. And you're co-hosting his property or managing it, you know, with like the new legal, I don't know if in your state, but like in certain states, uh, like the realtor associations are starting to find out how much money these short-term rental property management people are making. So have you, are you structuring your business to where you're not like a co-hosting or you're more like a hospitality brand or how are you structuring that? And then, yeah, how much do you charge? We can go in that as well. Gotcha. That, that's interesting. So as far as percentages goes, it really just depends on the property and like the owner. So the gentleman that I bought my first couple properties with he bought some additional properties. Mm-hmm. So I'm managing those with him. We kind of do it jointly. He's more of like boots on the ground and just handling everything like that. If there's anything that can be done remotely, that's what I do. So for that one, we do 10%. Um, we're actually doing 5% each right now. So that's 10% total. Mm-hmm. We're going to be changing it to 10% each. So 20% management fee total. And then for the other ones that are not with him, those are a flat 20% of the gross income. I don't take the cleaning fee just because I let that be their little bonus on top, but that's the percentages. As far as structure goes, I am a co-host. So I, I, I haven't dealt with like the whole realtor associations cracking down type deal yet. If it comes, I'll definitely have to adjust, but I haven't dealt with that just yet. That's what's up, man. Yeah, that's cool, man. You said you co-host eight of them. Yeah. So I manage two of the ones that I own. Okay. I also manage those. Mm-hmm. So as far as co-hosting, it's five, then two more that I manage, but also own. So seven that I manage. Okay. And then, and then adding I, on another eight. <laughs> whoo, man, you're growing quick. Congratulations <laughs> to you. So there's another thing you said earlier, you said that uh, vacation rental markets, you said touched on that. Do you only do short-term rentals in vacation rental markets? No. So I'm doing one that I'm managing for a gentleman in Terre Haute, Indiana, okay. which is more of a, for those who don't know, it's lower income. It does have a hospital, has a, has a school there. So mm. we're doing three month leases for that property. Mm. And that's for, we have a traveling nurse in there right now. And then the other properties are all vacation destinations. So we have Pinehurst, North Carolina, for those who don't know, big for golfing. It's like the U S open is going to be there in 2024, the juniors, uh, world, whatever that the biggest golf tournament. I'm not a golfer. If you can't tell, but it's, it's held there every year. It's, it's a great, really cool place. So that's Pinehurst, North Carolina, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. That's like a classic Midwest vacation spot. Been around for over a hundred years. The very historical place for People, the people in Chicago and Wisconsin, and then the chain of lakes in Illinois, all the way north in Illinois, it's literally like 13 lakes combined together and just an awesome spot for the summer. Oh man. Okay. So the vacation rental markets seem to be the hot spots. Now, have you noticed like, like with your vacation rental markets and one thing that it, it, a few years ago, it stopped me from hopping in, but like since the pandemic, it makes me want to hop in. Do you guys still have like those snowbird seasons or is it constant ever since COVID? No, it is definitely not constant in Illinois and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, Pinehurst is pretty steady. There's no like terrible, like in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin and Illinois, there's terrible months. In North Carolina, it's never a terrible month. It's just not always a great month for the off seasons. So in like in Illinois, our properties too are huge. They, two of them fit, uh, actually three of them fit between 20 and 27 people. So these are large properties, these are large properties. 
So, I mean, in the winter time, it's a lot of like bachelor parties on the weekends. Um, some, some, they, they have to be big gatherings or else the, the price just isn't worth it. So what's your gross income on something like that? If you're offering 20 to 27 people. So for, for the year. Yeah. Like what's your, like your average yeah, gross. We're going to probably do. So one of them we're actually doing weddings at as well. It's zone commercial and it's totally legal there. So that one is going to probably bring in close to in the 300s, 300,000, especially with these weddings. Cause we just, we just got a couple weddings during our off seasons, which is April and October. Those are like, we don't expect to make more than $10,000 that month. And we just got bookings already uh, some for some for this year, but already some for 2023 for eight to $10,000 for the weekend. So like, since we're going to be hitting those on the, on the off, like what we consider our off season, that's where, that's where it's going to be closer to the three in the three hundreds. And then the ones where you don't have weddings, those will be definitely in the two hundreds, probably two fifty. For one house. For one house. Yeah. Holy smokes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm happy you're doing that because that's what I'm telling people. I think like STR, you got to start looking at how much does this thing produce per year gross right because if you like let's say you are going into those vacation rental markets and you're you're putting down 20 30 percent 20 20 25 percent to get them you better make sure those things can run with that you know so i I like that model are are you like hip to the new everybody's talking about the new um, airbnb uh, refund policy (laughs) okay so you got these giant you got these big places where that people pay a lot of money at and how, how, how are you planning to, to avoid catastrophe? Yeah, great question. So number one, for the, for the bigger houses, a lot of our bookings come, th- come through VRBO, Verbo. Nice, nice. So I guess we're lucky on that sense to start, you know, with, with this new short-term rental or Airbnb rule where they basically are deciding, it sounds like what they're just doing is siding with the guests. If there's an issue, blame the host. That's kind of the gist of it. There's really there's really nothing we can do at this point to protect ourselves. Honestly. I mean, like as far as cleanliness goes, we relayed the message to our cleaners and let them know that, that the rules have been flipped. So make sure you do an extra good job. Like there, there's really, I don't really know right now how many options we have. The other thing too, that I kind of started to think about is our, our minimum night stays. So for the summer, for me, the less turnover, the better. I just, it it really doesn't make, it doesn't really make a difference to me because everything's done remotely and I have great cleaners, but it's just easier. Like I have to think less about it. So I'm like, so let's just do week long stays. But then I got thinking after this new short-term rental or Airbnb rule, you know, if we have someone for seven days, well, that's a lot bigger of a risk because if they complain, that is a big chunk of change in the summer for those big properties. We're charging $2,100 a night. Mm. So if we have seven days of that and one party cancels, that's a big deal right there. <laughs> Jeez. So Micah, could you, could you uh, go over that new rule and kind of, kind of let our fans know what it means? Man, for the people that have been watching my inst- my angry Instagram uh, story <laughs> post, <laughs> no, but uh, so basically Airbnb, are, what they're doing is they're removing the security deposit, right? So guests are no longer char- being, they're no longer being shown a security deposit because the security deposit was fake anyway. And then they're allowing the guest up to 72 hours. So it was just three days to complain, find any complaints. So let's say a guest checks in on Monday, they can complain about, anything on Wednesday cockroaches and uh, they have, you have to refund the guest. You have to, there's no choice. Basically. Yeah. What? And on top of it, since you have to refund them, if they, if they want to leave and they, and then Airbnb can only find them like a nicer place. Well, you have to, the host has to pay the difference, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which is like crazy. So, you know, who, you know, who owns those places they're going to be sending them to, right? airbnb hotel tonight baby (laughs) yeah yeah that's true but yeah man so i I, I, yeah and we'll be talking about that tonight on our clubhouse call but yeah uh the the big thing but yeah man uh that's that's a good way to think about it if you go the seven day 
route, maybe you get that bigger guess. But if somebody cancels on the third day, yeah, that can that can get ugly. So, but yeah, For so sure. so now on those bigger properties, you're saying you're getting most of your reservations through Verbo. I've mainly heard Verbo in the rural southern states. You're getting them up north. How's that been working out? And what kind of guests are you getting? Because I heard most of those people are older. You got older people having marriages and bachelor parties or what's going on? Yeah. So a lot of our guests, it's all families. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of the times what we're seeing is like the grandparents are basically paying for a family vacation for the entire family. Ooh. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And we, we've had a couple on Airbnb as well, but a lot of the time it's families and more often than not, it's either the grandparents are involved or it's like two families together. That makes sense. Cause yeah, people on verbal are willing to pay more. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So one question, let me go back to the kind of the beginning. So why do you have long-term rentals and short-term rentals? Why not choose just one or the other? Yeah. When I got started with, with real estate in general, I always wanted to just own properties. The fix and flip was just like, I came upon it on accident. I always wanted to just own, got the two long-term rentals. And then this big, one of the big properties I'm talking about was my first short-term rental. And the short story with that one was we were cold calling and doing our texting, found an owner who was super motivated to sell, but we're like, ah, this is, it was the property, the purchase price we bought that was 779, 779,000, which for me at the time was like, like crazy to think about trying to fix and flip it because that's a lot of risk when previously our houses cost between like 68,000 and like 200,000. So I was like, ah, I'm not looking to, to risk a fix and flip right now on this. Although right now it's gone up a lot in value mm. and it would have been a great fix and flip. And then we're also like, ah, long-term rental. It's probably not going to be a great long-term rental. So we looked on air. We said, what else can we do with it? We looked on Airbnb, our next door neighbor or that next door neighbor had his property up on Airbnb and he was renting it for $1,300 a night. Nice. So we're like, okay, if our house is bigger and better, once we fix it up, if we just got a thousand dollars a night during the peak season and we ran the numbers, we're like, if we just do that, we, tr- we get, we bring in less than he's getting, how are the numbers going to look? And the numbers look great. So we're like, all right, let's, let's go for it. And now the numbers are looking a lot better, which is obviously a big bonus. And how much was the house? It cost seven hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars. Oh, seven hundred seventy-nine thousand. And we did and seller it's... financing with it. Oh, nice. Seven hundred seventy-nine k. And you're bringing in thirty k. If you did it just a thousand bucks a day, well, that would just be peak well, season, like you said. So yeah, a thousand it's bucks peak a... season. Yeah. So it, it, it's super hard to like. That's why I'm not a big fan of just like saying like, "What's my average daily rate?" Because it changes so much in the in June, July, and August. We're at 2000 bucks a night right now. And we're about more, a little more than a third booked up. We have July and August pretty well booked just a couple, like two weeks here and there. Um, So we're, we're definitely going to hit that number. So we're looking to do like 180 in June, July, and August. And if we can just hit whatever the number is like 8 K per month, not even we're going to, we're going to be hitting our number. So I, Michael, what are we doing with one bedroom condos, man? I don't have any. <laughs> no, I, I have a few one bedrooms down in Houston, man. But yeah, I'm starting to go for the bigger route myself. Now, on that owner finance deal, how much did you put down to get it? It was it was a hundred thousand dollars down. So it was like 12.5 or 12 point. It was a weird percentage, like 12 something, but the guy just wanted a hundred grand in his pocket. No, oh man. Okay, so how did you get the hundred thousand? Let's Great go into questions. that. So we, we, we needed $100,000 for the down payment and we needed, needed an extra $80,000 for the rehab. We put a brand new roof on it. It was like a $20,000, $30,000 roof. We repainted the entire place, redid every single bathroom. There's a, there was a tennis court outside. We striped it to be a basketball court. Nice. Um, we furnished the place. We, we did a lot to this place for $80,000. So back to the question of how did I get it? we raise capital from people in our mastermind group. So we kind of had some track record and some success going with our flips. And then, yeah, basically the, the flip was like the biggest um, moment that we proved ourselves essentially to the group. Mm-hmm. And then once we bought a couple more properties, they said, when's the next deal? When's the next deal? <laughs> once we finally found this deal, 
we had people ready to go. So, yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of Kent He. I never thought we'd be raising capital on single family homes, but if you're going for a really big ass house, raise the capital on it, and then you're bringing home 300K a year, that ain't, that ain't no bad investment right there at all, man. Y'all syndicating what single family homes? <laughs> That's next level, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, like over here, even still over here, 779K for a house, that, that brings you into like a higher end uh, neighborhood, right? I don't know about over there. Uh, where is that house exactly? Yeah, it's in, it, 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 it's on the chain of lakes. So it's in McHenry, Illinois. Okay. Um, the, basically how it works is every house on the lake, I mean, any house on the lake is going to be more expensive than a house not on the lake across the street. Mm-hmm. So how it works where I am at is, like I said, there's a bunch of lakes that attach to each other. The lake that my property's on is like where all the nicer houses are. And then all the other lakes are, they're, they're, they're not bad houses. They're just not as nice, not as big. Right. So I would say like the average around our lake, if I had to guess, it would be a million bucks around the other lakes. You can get one for between three and $500,000 for like a three bedroom. And how much would those rent for? Uh, so the problem is a lot, th- there's different cities and counties all across the lake it's a pretty big area and they kind of weird zoning and stuff. So it's just some, some of them just don't allow it. Some cities don't allow it. A lot of the homes are in HOAs, which don't allow it and are pain in the butt. So there's really not many like great areas to do short-term rentals on this lake, except where we are. And there's one other smaller part that is. So you found the sweet spot. And so there's no HOA for these you know, giant houses. That's, that's amazing right there. And then, so it's, uh, it's on it's lake house. So there, there are people around you are doing it too. There are people that they're cool yep. with, they're cool with Airbnb or short-term yeah. rentals. Well, it's a funny story. So the house next door to us, like I mentioned, was, is an Airbnb still is. And then the house on the other side of us is not an Airbnb. It was this older gentleman lived there by himself. His wife passed away. And I think they went there to retire and he, he was just in a big house by himself. And right when we got the property, my partner went over to introduce himself. Hey, we just bought this house. Just letting you know, we're gonna be doing short-term rental just so you're not like, why are there different cars every day? That kind of thing. And the guy was like, oh, I hate short-term rentals. Hmm. But, he, but there's really nothing you can do about it. And, and then my partner said, hey, if you're ever looking to sell your house and get out, we are here to buy it. <laughs> so- Fast forward, my partner actually ended up buying that house with a couple other investors. Oh, nice. So the one next to us is a short-term rental, and that one is also ours and a short-term rental. <laughs> now, okay. Now, what size is this house? Like beds, baths, square footage? Um, so in the one, the first one that I'm talking about, it has like the main house and it has a little guest house. Oh. The main house has three, four, five, like six to seven bedrooms. Some areas are like not bedroom bedrooms, but we, we basically tell people like, listen, we can sleep. We, we, we show that we can sleep 16. Everyone's like, Hey, can we sleep 20? We're like, you can sleep 20. It's not going to be like very comfortable, but if you want to sleep 20, sure, go for it. Um, and then the coach house has two bedrooms. Yeah. Two bedrooms. Do you, now, do you charge for extra guests? Like if you, you're, you're putting it up for 16, if you're bringing 20, Hey, it's like 50 extra dollars per head. You know, do you guys do that? Yeah, we do. And honestly, right now, I kind of just make a judgment call on how much I want to charge, honestly, because it's sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it, it depends on the season. It depends on the month, depends on the rate that they're, that they're booking at. There's so many different factors that go into it. So as long as we can hit our numbers, I'm cool with it. Depends on what type of group it is too. Um, but yeah, if they if they have more than 16 people, we, we charge extra. We don't really do it by head or by, we, we do it by head, but we don't do it like per day. We just like to say, hey, listen, you're over a limit. It's going to be an extra $300, extra whatever it's going to be. And, and I have a question for this because we, me and my family, we're, we're going to Vegas next month, but we're trying to find this big ass house to, to celebrate uh, my wife's grandma's 70th birthday. in. So, but I noticed Airbnb only lets you put up to 16 people. So are they telling you, hey, I'm bringing 20 or how does that work? Yeah, they basically just have to tell us because, yeah, you're right. They can only put 16 people. So 
luckily a lot of people are honest and be like, Hey, we have 18. Is that okay? So that's nice. And as long as you ask, um, on Airbnb, mm -hmm. I'm cool with it. At VRBO, I believe you can put in more people if I'm not mistaken. Oh but yeah. I don't know if that, that may be a factor. Is that maybe a factor into why more people are on Verbo trying to book or. I don't know. I'm, I'm not positive on, on the, on the, on that. If, if you can put more, I'm pretty sure, but not, not positive. Yes. Yeah. And also on your Airbnb listing, cause we had to, one thing about it, if yeah, you have more than 16 people, you have to like scrounge for listings. And I just learned this trying to find it. So do you put somewhere in your listing, Hey, we allow more than 16 in our listing you're saying yeah like some verbiage in there um no we don't we actually put in we don't allow events or parties either even mm. though we do just because like we've been getting the most wild requests recently i'll get into those in a second but <laughs> we just figured if we just put that out there no parties no events at least people aren't like oh they said parties and events on their listing so let's just tell them we're gathering and then throw throw a big party we like to set the president up front no partying, but if they say, Hey, we're doing a bachelor party. We're like, sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> and as far as these wild um, events that we're, get, we're getting requested. So we've had um, about like six people request after prom parties, the after party to be at our Airbnb. And I'm like, absolutely not. We've <laughs> had graduation party requests, which are less bad than after prom parties, but I'm still like, no. Um, what else have we had? We had a fraternity, a fraternity, um, like formal event. They're like, Hey, we're going to bring our dates and rent at your house for, for the weekend. I'm like, absolutely not. No, no parties. <laughs> so, so we, 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 yeah. And, and luckily we're not struggling on the demand front. So if we can just turn people away who we think are going to cause trouble and just attract the people who are going to be better guests, then. We're all so for it. so no donkeys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So that, that, that man, this business model like absolutely intrigues me. Like you're the second guy doing this. You and Kent. Like I'm like. So now, have you thought about like putting these places on peer space and charging people for like a marriage or something on an hourly basis? Yeah, I, I put it on peer space. I put one of them on Peer Space. I haven't gotten anything from it. Actually, one Netflix. Well, they said I don't know if it was legit or not. You know, you, you can never. I, I can't verify it just from the, what I've. They they said that they they were doing a Netflix show, and they were interested in the property. They never got back to me, so mm. I'm not. Yeah, so I mean, who knows? Mm. Just for your but, Illinois property. Yeah. Oh, was it Love Is Blind? No, no, you know, I was wondering. Yeah, no, the, and the, the guy who had the inquiry, I looked, I looked up his, like his location, his job. I think I looked up his name. It all seemed like it made sense. Like, oh, this is a Hollywood, and he had he had a lot of reviews as well. So I'm like, oh, this is, this seems legit. But he just never got back to me. But yeah, I'm definitely open to, to uh, anyone who wants to rent it for any period of time. You're welcome as long as you're that, paying. <laughs> you have a you have a direct booking site. We do. We haven't utilized it just yet. We're, we, we, maybe it's a false sense of security, but we really like just having Airbnb and Verbo like as our like protection. We obviously have insurance as well, but it's just like something knowing that we have someone to fight for it instead of just the guest is just kind of peace of mind to us. But um, if, if we knew somebody personally, absolutely. Just hand me a check and you got the property now, but, <laughs> but just for random people, we're not doing that just yet. It seems with the new, uh, with the new refund rule that you might think into doing the direct bookings yeah, and taking 100%. it, of course, collecting a big deposit, right. And yeah. letting them book. And then of course you got the insurance in place. It seems like a, seems like a good idea. Right. Right. Cause Airbnb is going to just be giving people back their money left and right, man. Right. That's so yeah, definitely something that we're going to probably be getting into soon. One question I do have, since you haven't been getting, how much are you charging for an hour on Peer Space? I honestly have no idea. Like I, I, I couldn't even tell you because we, I, I listed, I put it on, I put it on there, set it and forget it. I haven't gotten anything from it, so I genuinely have no idea. 
Okay. Because I was wondering, like, when you have a big place like that, you're already charging a thousand dollars a night. How much would you charge on Pierce Bay? Like two grand, you know, to make it worth your time, you know? Yeah. I was, I was, that's a good question. I, I want to see, yeah, how a higher end property does on there. Yeah. I'll, 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 have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to push on there a little bit more because I honestly haven't. And honestly, summer, we're fine with just our family bookings. Mm-hmm. So we probably don't need to push for pure space in the summer, but absolutely in the, in the winter, that'll be when we'll, we'll probably make a bigger push. So now you're a youngster. How old are you? Now I'm 21. <laughs> wow. Damn, 21 pushing 300 bands, man. Let's go. Man. <laughs> We're behind Good. the eight ball, man. Um, so you, you grew up with social media. Are you are you using social media a lot in your business? Yes, not really so much on the front of like my Airbnb, VRB, Verbo, day to day stuff. I use social media more to educate other people on what I'm doing, basically showing the behind the scenes. Uh, what are your favorite uh, social media platforms to use? Instagram and TikTok are my main two. I've really started to push TikTok more heavily in the past couple of months. So that's been a very interesting platform. I talked about the, the new Airbnb policy. Like that one blew up. People are like, oh, you slumlord. Oh, you, <laughs> you deserve it. You know, so that's always exciting. But in, Instagram and TikTok are kind of my main two. <laughs> yeah, man. TikTokers, bro. They, they, they get on you real quick. They're man. ruthless. Ruthless. <laughs> so, so how do you, I mean, see, I, I'm, I'm a novice at it, man. I haven't really dove in too much to the TikTok and the IG too much. You know, all the, I guess all the old folks are on Facebook, right? And, and <laughs> And so, so what, what makes, how do you make effective uh, TikToks or, or Instagram posts or how do you do that? And how does it to, to, and to help your business to the max? Yeah. So for TikTok, the main thing, especially when you're just starting out, if you're at zero followers, number one, you need to post five times a day. That's my opinion. I, I did it and it works. I talked to other people. They agree three to five times a day on TikTok. If you're just starting out. And then what to post the problem. That's the, that's like the biggest problem because I share so much valuable information that get the least amount of views. And it's like, I actually want people to know this information. That's why I'm sharing it. But Mm. the TikTok algorithm doesn't like that. When Mm. you share something kind of controversial, that's when people go crazy (laughs) or, or when you share like a story, like for example, if every time I talk about, I fired my cleaner guests wanted a refund um guests cause damage to my property um i talk about like the the prom after parties like people love that stuff the problem is it's not valuable at all besides <laughs> entertainment which is like i actually i actually stopped on tick i stopped being on tiktok for like two months because i came to a crossroads where i'm where i'm like i'm not even providing value i'm just people aren't people aren't even liking my value they're just liking my my funny stories. Salacious stories. Yeah, but then I realized that there are, you know, that just helps me grow. And the people that are actually interested in learning more, they start to look at my page and start to follow me, get over to Instagram where I'm not sharing funny stories. I'm just sharing good content. Knowledge. You know, it's funny because a friend of ours, a friend of the show and, you know, designer for our arbitrages and stuff, uh, Sarah Doan, Glidewell, shout out to Sarah. She blew up on TikTok. And she um, she said the same kind of thing like you. She would just, you know, post in valuable designer stuff, you know, paint the wall this way, fix, you know, these whatever sofas. And, I don't know. But she she said once she posted on um, uh, what, what's that? What's that? Um, the noise, the noise aware thing in the house. Oh, yeah. yeah. Minute, 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 a minute, the minute, minute, whatever system. She yeah. said she posted something on that. But the way she said it. It sounded like it sounded you could perceive it as she, you, you spying on your guests in your yes. house. You're listening on your guests. Anyways, that's not how she meant it to sound. But, oh, man, it, it just blew up like like this yep. controversial thing. Did, did you see that post? You think maybe? I didn't see that, but I made one just like that. <laughs> and people went nuts over it. And yeah, I probably I probably saw it. And, and a lot of us on TikTok, we all do very similar with our own little spins. So. I probably saw that one. She probably, you know, we all kind of, it all kind of just comes up and everyone kind of makes their own rendition of it. But yeah. <laughs> so, Do you know, yeah. I'll go with Steve. 
No, the controversy leads to yeah, them checking out your page. That, like, I wonder, like, what, what, what is it on TikTok that makes people like want to be like? It's more of a negative thing. Like, like they cussed me out for saying that I charge more for a Tesla charger. One dude came on there and was like, "That's why I wouldn't book your place. You always want to charge for everything." I'm like, "Damn, man!" You know, but I, I don't know, like, what's the algorithm with TikTok? Like, you, you, you get more hate mail on there than anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think the haters are just I mean they're always gonna be there. Yeah. They're the the people that comment, it's funny, they're like, you are the worst, but they're driving the traffic because the more people that are commenting, the longer people are watching, the more people are the funniest, the best part is when people get into fights in the comments, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And then it just pushes the post even more, which is like great. And I think for the for the average person, I don't think they look at the comment where someone's like, you're a stupid meathead, like whatever. I don't think someone's looking at it and be like, yeah, this guy's this guy's terrible. They're probably looking at the person who commented and was like, what's up with this guy? <laughs> you know? So should we be commenting back to those people to drive it up or yeah, so, some sometimes I do comment back. Depends on what they say. I'm not, I'm not, I don't get in like arguments with people, like <laughs> like little like, no, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. <laughs> but um, definitely when people are like, you're, you are, you are killing the real estate market. I'll comment back and say like, why do you think so? And I, I, I engage in more conversation. Smart. I don't idea. really, I don't engage in like the, you have, like, I don't, I don't say anything negative. I just get, yeah. I, get I just get a conversation going. So See, you ask them, why do you think so? And they, they say, cause you're a big stupid head or something. Yeah. Like that. And then, then I'm just like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I never thought about that. Cause what I do is I just scroll past it. But if you actually comment on it, you're, you're boosting it up. That's yeah. a smart idea. I'll, I'll start yeah. doing that then. <laughs> like the people that some, it's like some people, look, I mean, it's not a lot of people, but some people will come after like my physical characters, your hair, someone's like your hairline, your, your mouth, your ears. So like those, I don't comment back at. I'm just like, all right, that, that's, that's just a personal thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it's like real estate related, I like to comment back. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause show I them, yeah, just show them your, show them your gross income and then tell them to go <laughs> get on their way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, oh, so you, okay. So are you not using those platforms to drive direct bookings and things like that nature? Right? No, no. Okay. Um, no. And, and I, I was thinking about like, Oh, should I put my listing in my bio? And then I'm like, you know what? The amount of random people that I, that I come across, I don't want to deal with like, like, um, I don't want random people like inquiring about it. If I, if I'm talking about a property, I don't want, I, I just don't want to draw attention to the wrong crowd for it. Yeah. I'd rather draw the attention to me, have more people know who I am. And the people that are going to actually care about those properties that are going to rent them. I have it marketed so that they can learn about it, but I just don't need random people on TikTok having easy access to my listings. I just feel like that's going to be a headache. Now, is there a different uh, crowd on Instagram? Because I have noticed on Instagram, most people do put their listings on there. Is it a yeah. different crowd? It's definitely a different crowd on, on Instagram. I just don't, like, I see, I see people have, like, Instagram accounts for their properties. I'm not against it. Uh, if, if you use it properly, properly, I just don't see a big purpose for it, at least right now especially the accounts that just aren't posting. If you're going to post a bunch of pictures, mm -hmm. you have a cool background on the wall. So they send you the pictures and you post it and you make something of it. It makes sense. But I've seen a, a lot of people just have one or two pictures. There's no harm to it. I just don't see any benefit of it. So like, yeah, you could just have an Instagram account with the, with the link in there. I think it's mm -hmm. fine. I just don't see a huge benefit, especially when the link is going straight to Airbnb anyways. Mm, I like that. That is true. Who's the people we had some people on that when the pandemic hit and when TikTok first dropped, they went like crazy viral uh, uh, in between Texas. They went crazy viral. And I think they got their direct bookings up to what? I think like 100 percent. It was crazy. Yeah, almost, really. almost 100 percent. Wow. It was when TikTok had their brand new algorithm. They had just yeah. came out. People were you post, I don't know, anything and you've got a million views, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Cool. Like, like social media is crazy. Like, I, I just don't, man. I because I still don't have a master the direct booking side on the social media side. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's crazy. No, it just says OnlyFans in their bios. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
everybody got an OnlyFans. What's that about? Um, <laughs> that's cool, man. So, Master, you mentioned early on, you, you started a, a mastermind even before you had a property, right? You just knew that this is what you wanted to do. And so what values do you get out of a mastermind and, and wh- why do you believe in them? Yeah, masterminds are, are huge. I, I think that I definitely owe a lot of my progress and success to the mastermind. Number one, the, the biggest piece of, of, an, of the mastermind, any mastermind is a networking piece. So would I have been able to raise money without the mastermind? Maybe, but it was just, it made it so much. Like I didn't have to like really worry about the raising capital piece because I was built into a network of people who I didn't have to convince. They, all, they already had the mindset. If I went to like, if I approached some random person <laughs> who didn't have any involvement in real estate and didn't know me, okay, they're skeptical. But for people that know me and like real estate, it becomes a lot easier of a pitch to them. So biggest piece, networking, hands down. You know, you brought something to mind. You said people that aren't in in the thing that we're into, you know, that even like, for example, you know, I have a day job and every people ask me questions a lot because I'm the real estate guy or I'm the Airbnb guy or whatever. And oh man, that sounds, let me know. I want to invest. I want to invest. Finally, I'll drag someone to a place. Hey, this, this place right here, uh, the, the girl's going to sell it to us. She said, if you want to try to, you know, go in on it or you want to try to buy it or whatever, ask me a million questions, right? They go check it out, look at it, ask me a million more questions. All these questions that they've read on the internet or something and yeah. that don't even, don't even factor into what running a short term <laughs> rental is, you know? <laughs> and um, so anyways, and they don't do anything with it because they just they're not in this world right but like you said if we're in a group of people that are are investing in this and they'll see something okay that's a, that's a pretty good deal let's let's pull our money let's get it you know and it's right. just yeah it's you're exactly right man because i mean the part-timers that just look at what we're doing and then they say they want to invest they're not going to invest they're not going to give you one dollar yeah and then the thing too is like those people like I, we've we've had investors that are like like so nosy even when we're running the property and i get we we didn't set clear expectations up front again rookie mistake but for future properties if someone wants to invest with me it's obviously they can do they can do their full due diligence they can check out all the numbers but as far as actually buying the property and operating the property i'm not looking for anybody who's looking to be nosy. My, my job is to send them checks in the mail every quarter. Mm. If the checks come, I don't want to hear it. You know, I, you know what I mean? Like there's like the GP, the LP, the, the active partner and the silent partner. So now I'm more upfront with people. I am fully upfront with people and letting them know that, you know, these, these are the roles. And if this doesn't sound if, like, if you want to be more active, then I'm just not the right person to invest with. Now you bring me to a good point that I wanted to ask earlier. And I, I now I, I figure out what, I, what I'm asked when I asked about structuring the co-host deals, who do you find to be the most successful type of person that you want to co-host for? Right. Cause you, you don't like people being hands-on trying to, you know, how do you interview that type of person and figure out who that is? Yeah. Well, the thing is three of the properties that I co-host for are all brand new to Airbnb Mm-hmm. So they are, say all of them combined are equally as, as, uh, as annoying, as, annoying as, as, as pushy as like, you know, I, I, I said to them, I said, listen, this is your first one. You just met me. I understand whatever. And I, I was newer to it when I first started as well. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm happy. If you have, if you have an issue, if you think that the pricing's off, I'm, I'm okay to have a conversation with it. Like, I'm, you know, this is your property at the end of the day. I'm cool having a conversation. I'm like, the one thing you cannot do is answer guests back in the messaging. Uh-huh. That is a, the biggest no-no. Besides that, you know, y- you do you, but it's funny. Like we, we'll get, especially like early on, we had our first booking, the owner texts me, oh my God, this is so amazing. <laughs> I'm like, this is Airbnb. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so it's more like, it's more like cute because it's like they're brand new to it yeah. and everything is like their first time. So it's like, like, I remember our first, our first book in the, the um, cleaner texted me and said, Hey, 
the pillow is they, they damage like a pillow or something even smaller than a pillow. <laughs> and the owner was freaking out. He's like, request money from them right now. Um, I was like, all right, take a step God. back. It was like a $10 pillow. You know, we, this, you know, we can't just request money because they're going to leave us a bad review. We got to be patient with it. Let them leave the review. Let's, you know, I was like, there's a process to this. Also, if you're going to freak out about a $10 pillow, wait till you see more things that are going to happen on this property. <laughs> So I, I've, I've kind of set the expectations for them as we go of like, okay, there's going to be things that, you know, th- this is just how it works. This is Airbnb. We, we, we charge more money for our cleaning fee. And I explained, listen, we're going to pay our cleaner X. We're going to pay our cleaner, let's say 150. We're going to charge 175 to $200. So don't think that you're losing this, this like $20. You know, we, we do charge the guests depending on what the issue is. But I'm like, listen, you have this extra money built in mm. that I'm not going to touch. That's not part of my fee. You can have all of it. So just stay calm when little, like very little things happen. <laughs> and that's a great idea to put it like that to, um, to a, an owner. I never thought of that. I'm going to use that in, in my business. I'm going to steal that from you because we do, <laughs> we do coasting too. But yeah. to say that, you know, we're charging a little bit more than the cleanings and that that's a little buffer in case little things get, you know, broken or a pillow gets stained or whatever the heck, you know, we'll have a little buffer there. So we won't have to go after them for a pillow and then get a one-star yeah. review. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing too is like, is it really worth our time to go after someone for 15, 20 bucks? Is someone going to want to stay there again because they made a very minor mistake that they didn't, they, they, it could have been a, a true, a true mistake. And for 20 bucks, it's like, if they were good guests, you, you see them coming back, you see, you see them possibly referring people. They seem really like nice people. It, it's, it's just not, the, it's not worth the hassle personally, personally speaking to, to charge the little, Oh, you broke a, you broke a plate. Yep. That's going to be $8. Yeah. That's whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy you bring that up because that was one of the points I made about hosts being a liability to Airbnb. When we keep putting in all these claims and all these claims that Airbnb has to pay out, I think that's what Airbnb is looking at, right? Because they have 100%. Yeah, they have a $1 million insurance policy on 4 million people and they keep paying out, you know, because I'm pretty sure they look at, okay, what was our weekly payout to resolutions? And, you know, and and I feel like part of that's Airbnb's fault. They could just charge the guests a security deposit and it would cover it. But yeah, you know, those claims that that, that stuff adds up, man, over 4 million people. So yeah, 5.6 million listings. So yeah. yeah and, and the other thing too, is like, I don't want to submit a claim to Airbnb every single time for $20 because when I need something, I want to come to them and say, listen, we have like, they're, they're humans on the other end, although they're all international. They, they, they make like they, they make decisions it's not just like a machine so i i think that they can understand too like listen we, we don't we don't we're not trying to milk you guys we don't chart we don't ask for money back every single time this time the guests really messed up and here's what happened and and i think they can see through to that like a human to human type thing uh if you now if you have like every single week you have a, a request from airbnb I, there's no doubt they're going to be skeptical and f- probably flag you. Like they're going to look into you a lot more in my opinion. And this is one thing we could do. This is an idea. I'm going to throw this idea out on our clubhouse, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out now. This is one thing I was thinking what we could do to ease it all up. Right. Let's say you do me. And this is what I've been doing. Well, I, I do it to anyone who doesn't have any reviews. I charge them $200 security deposit through the resolution center. Right. They pay it out. This just happened. A lady broke the paper towel, paper towel holder while she was there. And she said, look, when she checked out, hey, I broke the paper towel holder. Just take it out of my deposit. I took it out of her deposit. It was like eight bucks. I took it out of her deposit, sent her $192 back. That was all the problem. Now, if I was being petty, I'd have to go to Airbnb, ask them for $8, then Airbnb. That way, now I'm off of Airbnb's bad list. I'm not putting in a bunch of claims. And the guest doesn't have to defend themselves. It's a smooth transaction. That's the way I, I could see to be to get to ease up off the whole put a request in every time thing as well. Just yeah, an idea. For sure. And you sounds like you had a very honest guest. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you do get the ones who pay who are down to pay a security deposit, 
I found out they're the best guests. I found out they're really good guests. If you just request a security deposit, they're cool. Because I mean, didn't Kit he charges seven hundred dollars to check in? Yeah, he charges seven hundred dollars. He, he he's out in Scottsdale. He makes like one fifty a year off a property. Seven hundred dollars security deposit. They pay it and they check in. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely. I think it's something to look into as host. So sure. so one more thing before we hop off. Um, I was gonna ask you. It says you're a real estate agent too. Why why are you a real estate agent? What's that about? Yeah. So right when we bought the first property that we were fixing and flipping, I was like, man, we're going to sell this thing and I can get a commission on this. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, it's, it's too late though. Like we, 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 we already, we basically already talked to a realtor before I got my license. So we didn't want to take it away from him, but then I got my license. I'm like, all right, next one I'm, I'm, I'm listing it. So we bought another property and I was like, I'm, I got it. I'll list it. So I, I list, I listed that one. And then now I strictly do referrals. I don't do like, I'm not a real estate agent in the sense that I'm looking to buy and sell homes for people. That's not what I do. I'm strictly on referral basis now, like me sending referrals to other people. So I actually just had somebody, they're closing, supposed to close April 11th, knock on wood. Um, that would be an awesome referral. But yeah, that, that's just, that's where I keep it at for now. So referrals. So, so someone, you know, someone's going to sell a house. And they talk to you and you say, oh, I'm not going to sell it for you, but I'll send you to somebody else. Is that, and you get money for that? Yeah. Or like in this case, this guy's looking to buy a house. Okay. And he said, Hey, do you have any good realtors, you know, in Pinehurst, North Carolina? I said, of course. So I sent him, I, I connected them. I, and I know the realtor, of course, I'm not just sending it to a random guy. So I'll text him. Hey, um, I have someone who's looking to buy a house in blah, blah, blah. Super, super serious buyer. know him personally. Are you cool if we do a a twenty five percent commission? I get twenty five of his percent of his commission, and they're always like, "Yeah, of course." Like, why wouldn't I take a serious buyer? Yeah. Right, right. You know so, what? Yeah, my my mentor always talks about that. When you are a real estate agent with your license, you need to focus on being an investor. So make your money off referrals, refer all that other crap out, make the money, and then you focus on the big deals like you're doing now. Congratulations yeah. on that. And, and that yeah, question, you. and that question I asked you earlier, it looks like you're already in the in the clear, because if you're under a brokerage, you don't have to worry about property management and stuff like that because you have your license. You're under a broker. Oh, yeah, I, I I I've heard of the rule. I'm honestly not too like, I'm not too up to date on the man. Like I know like the long term rental management's a different story. Mm-hmm. I don't know like the short term rental nuances per se. But yeah, I do have my license. So I think that definitely is a step ahead. Oh, yeah, man. 10 years, man. You're about to be a multimillionaire. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe five years. Yeah, five years. Yeah, you'll be yeah, easy. (laughs) Wow, man. It's been a great show. So young, already knowledgeable about real estate and short-term rentals. Um, is there anything else you want to tell tell our fans? Any, any what, what I always like to ask, you know, what you something that you learned, like a like a Bailey hack, you know, in doing in doing this, either operating short term rentals or whatever the real estate side, something that you've discovered as like a cool trick that like oh no one's even thought of that. Okay, so two pieces. So like one is like more on the generic, like your network is your most important piece. You don't need like I didn't have a lot of money when I got started. I didn't have a great credit score. I really didn't have any of the pieces besides time, which is definitely a big piece. But the, the way that got me to where I'm now is through networking. And when I started in real estate, my network was from scratch. So Facebook groups, bigger pockets, hit me up on Instagram, hit up people on TikTok, like Facebook groups, great places to network. And then an actual tactical Airbnb short-term rental trick is, so do you, what, what software do you guys use to manage your properties? Guesty for host for me. Okay. Guesty, yeah. And okay, so I use Guesty. I use Guesty for pros now since I have more properties. But I was using hospitable.com. And a trick for hospitable.com, and I need to I need to like figure out how to do this on a guesty. I don't think it's possible right now, but essentially I had this message that sent out to the guests automatically. It would say, Hey guest, I'm so excited to host you. Your check-in is in what 30 days down the line. I also noticed that you, there was an extra day after your, after your checkout date. Are you interested in, in extending for a discount? And for the people that said yes, it was just a, an extra night free or not for free. Like we, we, 
we tack on an extra night that would have been vacant if that person didn't book. So it was like this, this an automatic message that's sent out. You can set up through Hospitable. They have like these smart messages that know when a day is actually vacant or not. When we were using hospitable.com, it made us like literally thousands of dollars. The property's renting out like it was in the winter, it's like $700 a night. But so you just need a couple of those and it's like, yeah, it's a no brainer. So that, that's, you know, that's funny because my partner Federico in our, in our um, co-hosting business, he, he, he's the, he's the technician, you know, he's, uh, he's getting all the softwares, all the, you know, running everything. But one thing he, he loves hospitable and, but we knew, you know, we're already, you know, approaching 50 units. We needed something else. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Under management and then arbitrages awesome. of our own. Yeah. So, so we needed something else and we're looking at several right now. I think we're going to, uh, I forgot which one he's going with. Anyways, the long story short, he, um, we decided to keep hospitable because of that, because of the, the messages you can do. So if you just now said it made you thousands of dollars, why not keep it? You can still, you could do both. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we could do both. And honestly, I'm leaning that way right now because we've had some slight, not, we'd have issues with Guesty. It just, they haven't, all of our properties haven't been synced with VRBO yet, which has been kind of a hassle. So I'm kind of like doing both. We kind of confusing, but I definitely think it's, it's a great idea because Guesty does have some features. I like their distribution a lot better, but Guesty, but Hospitable is really good for, um, for that messaging feature sure. you know you know a hack that they, they showed me actually our va was telling us she, it, it the hospitable shows shows you their phone number of the guests yes. before yes. they book and so well, if you're trying to get the yeah. Uh, yeah direct bookings and there you go there's your end yeah so yeah 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 for sure so anyways yeah there's some there's some cool hacks out there y'all yeah. uh, <laughs> well thank you for hopping on man hey do you get on clubhouse at all i don't know Okay. Okay. You don't ever, 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 ever get on there. All right. Cause we're about to hop on there after this. So we'll send you, maybe we'll send you a little link and you can hop on and say, hi, yeah. that's a great networking tool, by the way. Yeah. Thank cool. you. Oh yeah. Definitely is. But yeah, man. Uh, where can people find you? Best place, Instagram or TikTok. My name is, I think it's like the underscore Bailey Kramer. Just like a Bailey Kramer. You'll see me. I have real estate all over the place talking about short-term rentals. So I think there's only one Bailey Kramer talking about real estate and short-term rentals right now. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. I'm not following you. What's going on with me? I'm just following you now. I didn't know that. Awesome. <laughs> Sign up for his OnlyFans today. <laughs> Don't wait. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thanks man. For thanks for coming on. on, man. And we will see you. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see you maybe soon and see your progress. And yeah, we're excited, man. So young. Ah. Yeah, and, uh, and keep it up and keep it up and good luck to you. Appreciate it. All right, we are out. Later. All right, that was episode 102 of your no, favorite two, LRB. Two, 203. Damn. I'm you said what? You said what? <laughs> that was 101 episodes I ago. I didn't roll this all the way back, man. I, I'm downplaying how big we are, man. Look, man. Yeah, a hundred was so long ago, man. She, yeah, uh, it really was, dude. Hundred was, yeah. Bailey Kramer, that was Bailey Kramer on episode two hundred and three. BK, half a million on two doors. That's oh, crazy. <laughs> Twenty-one oh years old. Uh, I'm arguing with people over a hundred dollar li- a night listing at a one bedroom condo. What the hell? What the hell? Are we wasted our time for Mike. Half a million a year at 21 man strippers and cocaine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, man, thank you luck to him, man. I'm happy he's doing it at a young age, man. So, uh, all right, man. Yeah. So, where can they find us, Steve? <laughs> Follow our OnlyFans page. Uh, <laughs> live, let, thrive at OnlyFans. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Uh, live, let, thrive at gmail.com. Send us a message. Uh, yeah, we got our emails too, but that's the place you can find us the most. So just send us an email and, and we'll answer it. And we'll, yeah, we'll put you on the show. You know, come on the show. Have some fun with us. You know, have some thick skin though. Cause we, you know, we go hard in the paint. 
For sure, for sure. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find us on Instagram, Clubhouse. We're about to be on Clubhouse every Wednesday, 7.30. So, yeah, come check us out. And thank you for continuing to listen. And we are out. Peace. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.